Praise the Lord. If you got your Bible with you, <laughs> open right back to where you were, 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to take just a little bit of a departure from where we've been together over the last several weeks. And like I said to you a moment ago, we have seen some miraculous things in our own personal lives just this week. This Thanksgiving week, God has given us much to be thankful for. Those of you who are in the nine o'clock service team training session, you heard Sarah give some testimony of some things that we've experienced with our family this week. And, And we've just looked at each other, I don't know how many times over the last several days and said, we've had miracles. We have truly had miracles. And, um, there's some things I want to, like I said, take a, take a little bit of a departure from, from where we've been in scripture, but I believe the Lord is in this today. And if you'll listen to this with an open heart, I believe you'll hear some things that could bring change to your life, to your family forever. So look at this with me in first Timothy chapter six, let's begin together. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's see. Let's just look at verse 12. Notice what it says here. Paul writing to Timothy, fight, he said, the good fight of faith. Let me read it again. Fight the good fight of faith. Why don't you say that out loud with me? Ready? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold, he said, on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Back early this year, probably March or so, when COVID-19 first hit the shores of the United States, uh, you remember it. You'll probably, like me and all of us, remember it forever. A lot of things changed about people's lives and the way they did things. And uh, you'll probably remember too, like me, you were getting a lot of communication from a lot of different people. I know every time I opened my inbox, I had another email and another email and another email from anybody who had ever had it. It seemed like any, any place I'd ever done business, any place we'd ever stayed, any doctor's office we'd ever been to, everybody was sending out emails. And if you remember, they all basically said the same thing. This is our response to COVID-19. This is our response to the coronavirus. And I don't know, I must have seen a dozen of those, maybe more, maybe 15, maybe 20, one right after the other. Our response to COVID-19, our response, our response. This is how we're responding to it. Until finally it dawned on me that as believers, we're supposed to have a response. As the church, we're supposed to have a response. Number one, because that's what faith is. It's a response. That's how the Lord helped me understand living by faith a number of years ago. He put it in these terms for me. Faith is just simply a response to grace. Grace is God speaking to you. Faith is you responding. Grace is God speaking and grace has spoken and said, I love you. Grace has spoken and said, I have paid the price for you, for your salvation, for your healing, for your deliverance. Grace said all that. How do I know it's grace? Because he didn't charge you for any of it. 
Because none of it could be earned. None of it could be based on your good works or on your merit. That's what makes it grace. The word grace itself literally means gift. It's God saying, here you go. And God did not come knocking on your door or mine or anybody's impressed with how well you kept his rules, how well you performed. God did not reach into his pocket and say, wow, I owe you some salvation. Did he? Any hand in here would raise and say, God, God saved me because he owed me. No, God didn't owe you anything, but he gave you everything. That's grace. That's what grace is. But the only way to receive any of it, the only way to walk any of it, and when I say any of it, I mean anything from your salvation to being filled with the Spirit, to the healing of your body, to the provision for your family, and any other promise made by God to you through Jesus, the only way to access any of that grace is by faith. In other words, you have to respond to it. Every man, woman, and child since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has been redeemed. Now you're going, wait a second. There's this guy I work with, and I know for a fact he ain't redeemed. Well, hold on a second. No, the price has been paid, but not everybody is living in their redemption. How do you live in it? How are you living in it? You responded. You heard whether it was from a, a platform or a pulpit like this or from one-on-one from -on -one with somebody, they told you the good news of the gospel, faith rose on the inside. You responded to what you heard. You said, I believe that. And that's what faith is. I believe that. Faith says, I receive that. Thank you for that. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, what else are you supposed to say when somebody gives you a gift? Thank you. And that's what faith says. Thank you. See, faith is the response to God's grace. And it's the only appropriate response. If you don't respond in faith, you're speaking some other language. And it's some language he doesn't understand. If you're not speaking back to him in faith, you're speaking a language God does not understand. God no habla fear. He no habla worry. He no habla doubt. God Abla faith. He speaks faith. He hears it. He receives it. He understands it. He can communicate with it. He can work with it, but you've got to respond in faith. That's the only appropriate response. If grace has spoken and said, I loved you and I've paid for you, I've saved you, I've forgiven you, then the, the, the response is not, well, I don't feel forgiven. The response is not, I don't feel saved. You speak in some other language, man. God's like, what? Come again? I don't get it. What are you saying? But faith, regardless of what you see, regardless of what you feel, faith responds to grace. And if grace says I'm forgiven, I am forgiven. If grace says I'm clean and I'm righteous in the sight of God, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and I thank you for it. That's the faith response. 
And that's what faith is. The life of faith is living constantly, day after day, in response to the grace of God. Faith has a response to everything. And it's not like a natural response. It's not the kind of response that that an unbelieving world just comes up with naturally. It's got to come from somewhere else. This faith response comes up out of the born again, recreated human spirit that's alive under God. So back all those months ago, getting those emails, our response to COVID, our response to COVID, our response to COVID, I finally went before the Lord and said, okay, Father, what's our response? How do I, how do we respond to this stuff? And if you remember, we, we sent out a video a number of months ago, I think it was probably back in March or so. And the Lord had led us to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. You don't have to turn there. Let me just read it to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Keep in mind that what we just read in first Timothy six, fight the good fight of faith. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 10, 32. Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated. What's that mean? Illuminated. It means the light came on, right? The light came on and you saw Jesus for who he is. And he says, you got to think back on that. Think back on the days right after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Well, that sounds like a fight, doesn't it? Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. That sounds like a fight, doesn't it? He says in verse 34, you had compassion on me and my chains joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, he said in verse 35, do not cast away your confidence. That's the same word for faith. Don't throw away your faith. Don't throw it away. Why? It has great reward. For you have need of endurance after the, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now listen to this, verse 37. For yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live, how? By faith. He expects us to live this way. And when he says live this way, he's including everything that would go along with that. How you believe, how you think, how you talk, how you walk, what you do with your time, what you, what you watch, what you listen to, what you let in your eyes, your ears and in your heart. He said all of it is to be done in and through and by faith. The just shall live by faith. How were you justified? How did you become just? By faith. So the same thing that justified you is what you and I are supposed to be living by every single day. You became justified when you heard grace say, I've saved you. You responded and said, thank you. I believe it. I receive it. Now I am it. That's how you were justified. Now he says, okay, now live that way. Live that way. Always responding to grace. Well, if you're supposed to live that way, Would it stand to reason you're supposed to fight that way? Yeah, we're going to see that pretty clearly here in a moment. The just will live by faith. But if anyone draws back, if anyone draws back, he said, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back. 
He said, if anybody draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now this is Hebrews 10, which you Bible scholars will get a real kick out of this. Hebrews 10 comes right before Hebrews 11. That's deep, isn't it? Anybody remember what he said just a few verses after this? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Anybody who draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The just shall live by faith, but we don't draw back. What's he saying here? He's saying faith is moving forward and we don't draw back. We don't draw back. And that's the word the Lord gave us in response to COVID-19 all those months ago. We're not drawing back. We're not retreating from the fight. We're not running in fear. And if you remember, he said these three things, don't draw back in your speaking, don't draw back in your serving, and don't draw back in your sowing. Those were the three things the Lord gave us. And now looking back on it, I can see even more clearly now why he said those things then. Don't draw back in your speaking. What was going on at that time is going on now. And the enemy of your soul would love nothing more than to get his words in your mouth. To put the words that are coming across the desks of news outlets across the world, put their words in your mouth, put fear in your mouth, put lack in your mouth, put anxiety and worry and sickness in your mouth. But the Lord spoke to us and said, don't draw back. What, what does that mean? Don't go back. You're living by faith. Don't go back to living by sight. Don't go back to living by what you see, by what you feel. Keep living by faith. Even if it's a fight, then fight by faith. Do it in faith. Do it by faith. And don't draw back in your speaking. You've been putting God's words in your mouth. Keep putting God's words in your mouth. How were you born again? We keep coming back to this. You believed in your heart and you, you said something. It came out of your mouth. You said, Jesus, be my Lord. And there was enough power in those words that it saved you for eternity. Keep living that way. Don't draw back in your speaking. Don't draw back in your serving. What a, a tendency, what a temptation it would be all those months ago when, when COVID hit hard to, to turn inward, right? And forget about everybody else. We got to survive. We saw, it was the first thing we saw. Ain't nobody needs 113 rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> and like one guy said, if you're buying that much toilet paper, COVID-19 is the least of your troubles. <laughs> but what happened? People turned so inward that it was like, forget about my fellow man. Forget what he needs. Forget what they need. I need this and this and this and this. And it was the first thing people did, wasn't it? That's not serving each other. That's serving yourself, right? And you walk into the grocery store for weeks and weeks on end and the, the shelves are bare. Why? Because the world's run out of food? No, but because that guy went, thought it was Y2K all over again. We, we better store up, we better hoard. And that is a self-service mentality. And there's no love in it. But the Lord said to us, don't let that be your response. Don't draw back in your serving. You're serving. And then finally said, don't draw back in your sowing. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? I mean, when the world's preaching, 
preaching economic downturn, economic crisis, the natural inclination is to hold on tight to everything you've got. But the spirit response, the faith response is no, I want God with even more access to my life and to my finances. So give me some place and somebody to sow to. That's a different response, but it's faith. It's faith. And I want you to hear these words again. We don't draw back. And looking at this over the last couple of days, seeing some of these things come back up, I know it hadn't gone away, COVID and all these things, but you've probably seen some of the same things I have over the last several weeks and months. This resurgence of it, the new wave of it. Well, let me ask you, do we need a new word? Do we need God to say or do something else? Or do we need to remind ourselves of what he's already said? And if we've gotten a little bit lax or a little bit lazy with it, is now a good time to get back up in the faith fight? Let me put that to you another way. Now's a good time to get back up. If you've backed off your fight, if you've drawn back a little bit for whatever reason, and we all do it, we get, we get used to things, we get accustomed to things, things that were major things in the news just a few months ago, now it just seems like it's what you hear all the time and you've gotten used to it. I'm, I, be, I believe the Lord's speaking to us this morning and saying, get back up in your faith fight. Don't run away from the fight. Be like David. What'd he do? Ran towards Goliath. Eager right? Eager for the fight. I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about what the faith fight is, how to fight by faith. And we could take weeks and months, even years and talk about this. So I want to get as much as I can in the next few minutes. But this is the phrase the Lord gave me just actually a few hours ago, sitting right back here. I said, Lord, what do you call this? And he said, I want my people ready to rumble, ready to rumble. And I believe the reason he said that is because sadly, many people aren't ready. They're in a fight and either they don't know it or they just don't want to fight. But you and I need to be aware. Number one, we are in a fight and it's a faith fight. And number two, we need to be ready. We need to be equipped. I want to read that to you from first Timothy again, chapter six, verse 12, but listen to it from the Weist translation. I like this translation a lot. It says, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith. So when Paul said, fight the good fight of faith, if you look these words up, it literally translates to fight and don't quit. Don't stop. Just like we read a moment ago, don't draw back. Keep in the fight. Be constantly, he said, engaging in the contest of faith. Now is not the time, church, to get lazy in our faith. And when something like COVID-19 pops up or some major thing like this, something that the world's never seen or nobody in this generation anyway, now's not the time to start thinking, well, maybe I should learn a thing or two about faith. No, listen, you want to be in a good momentum you want to be living by this stuff and walking by this stuff and fighting by this stuff all the time so that when something does come up, now's not the time you start training. 
It's not like, you know, I got to fight with Mike Tyson next week. I better start doing push-ups. If that's where you are in your training, don't get in the ring. It will not go well. We need to be constantly engaged in faith. We ought to be in the face of God, in the word of God, all the time as individuals, as families, asking each other, what do we believe in God for? What are we trusting God to do right now? Because if you stay constantly engaged, then when something like this comes up, you don't, your, your inclination is not to run in fear. Your inclination is to look at it and do what God does. <laughs> and just start laughing in the face of it. Be constantly engaged in the contest of faith. Now listen to this. This is what it means when Paul wrote to Timothy and said, fight the good fight. This is what it means. Be constantly engaging in the contest of faith, which contest is marked by its beauty of technique. Let me say that again. Which contest is marked by its beauty of technique. That's what Paul was saying when he said, fight the good fight. He was saying, Timothy, fight, but be good at it the beauty of its technique. I don't know if you've ever watched a, a professional fighter, but these guys have spent their lives training and training and training. If you watch closely, man, there's a gracefulness to it. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, right? Now, I have to be honest with you about something. Standing in front of you today as a 41-year-old man, Somehow I made it through elementary school. I made it through junior high. I made it through high school and I never got in a fight. Now I've been punched three times, but I don't think it counts as a fight if you don't hit back. And I'm not sure that like as a dude, that's something to really stand here and be proud of, but it's just the honest truth. I've never actually been in a fight. What I have done though, and the fellas, I'm gonna need some help on this. I have plenty of times stood in front of that full length mirror in my house as a kid growing up and looked at the dude looking back at me and said to him, you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Cause I don't think I like your tone. What? And I have taken a few swings at that guy. I've done it. I'm not ashamed to admit it, but here's the problem with that. You stand there in front of that mirror, what? What's up? Oh, come on. Come on, say it again. See, a lot of grace there, right? I had it in my head that, okay, if I ever do get in a fight, I'm going to do one of two things. One, I'm just going to act crazy, like possessed, like, <laughs> and just try to freak somebody out so much that they just run away. Or two, I'm just going to start flailing, right? Because if you just do this long enough, surely you're going to hit something or somebody. I think David did that crazy thing. Look it up. I think it's in the scripture. But the, the, there's actually scripture for what I'm telling you here. Listen to this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. That's the problem with just shadow boxing. That's the problem with just fighting that guy in the mirror. If you're just swinging at the air, you never make impact. You never hit anything. You never make an impact. You never make an impact for the kingdom of God on the kingdom of darkness. 
And Paul said, I'm running, but not with uncertainty. In other words, I know where I'm going. I'm not just running to run. I know where I'm running towards. And then he said, thus I fight. This is how I fight. Not as one who beats the air. The easy to read version says, I run like someone who has a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. There is some technique to this fight of faith. And I'm sad to say that I think many people's faith fight looks a lot more like crazy Jeremy, right? <laughs> just, just acting wild, acting crazy, hoping something happens, hoping you at least scare the devil a little bit, or, or maybe it looks more like somebody just throwing punches into the wind, into the air, hoping something sticks. But don't be surprised if you lose a faith fight, having not trained, having not studied, having not practiced. That's like somebody who's got a fight scheduled and they never go to training. They don't listen to anything their trainer says to do. And when the day the fight shows up, they get in the ring and by the end of round one, they're laid flat out on their face, looking back at their trainer going, how could you let this happen? How could you let this happen to me? Hey, it wasn't your trainer's fault, was it? There's some technique to this that's got to be developed that we need to exercise in. And there are people sadly losing every day in a fight, looking at God going, how could you let this happen? That's like looking back at your trainer and blaming him because you didn't train because you didn't work out. Don't blame God for this stuff. He'll train you. He'll work with you. But we got to put that in. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, turn over there and look at this, what Paul said. 2 Timothy 4, 7. He said, I have fought the good fight. We already know from 1 Timothy 6, he's talking about the fight of faith. He said, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's saying this at the end of his life. From the verse before it, we know he said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. And he's, he is able to honestly say, not just to Timothy, but honestly say in the face of God, I have finished my race. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. Now, not everybody, if they're honest, will come to the end of their lives and be able to say that. And I'm sad to say that most people, if they were honest, they would come to the end of their lives and say, I, I, didn't, I didn't finish the race. I quit early. I didn't fight the good fight. I, I was bad at the fight. I didn't have any technique. I, I lost over and over and I let my faith be stolen from me. But you don't have to say that. You ought to start practicing now for that day because it's coming. It's coming and you and I will stand before the father and we'll either say to him, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept my faith. Or you'll have to say to him, I fought poorly. I quit early and I lost my faith. I think we ought to strive to be able to say in the presence of God, when all this is said and done, I fought good. You trained me to fight and I fought and I stayed in faith and I fought in faith. I finished the race you set before me and I finished it with joy. 
I held on to the faith you gave me. I didn't let Satan take it from me. I didn't let any unbelieving family or friend take it from me. I held on to it with everything I've got. That's what I want to say. So let me just touch on a couple of things today. There's so much, like I said, that could be said about this, but two big things that you need to be aware of in the fight of faith, in developing your technique, if you will, your skill in fighting. Two big things. Here's, here's what I want you to focus on today. Number one, finding out, identifying who and what is against me. What am I fighting? Because that's the thing about the faith fight. The whole thing takes place in the unseen. And that's where most people lose it right there before it ever even really gets started because it takes place in the unseen. Now, a lot of times you are, you're, you're in the fight because of what you do see, because of what you do feel. But brother Hagen used to say this all the time. He would say, you've got to keep the enemy in the realm of faith. Because if you let him get you over into the realm of reasoning, you've already lost. But if you'll keep him in the realm of faith, then you'll never lose. But that's where we have our challenge because it's all in the unseen. And people think that faith has to do with the unknown. You believe in an unknown guy. It's not unknown. It's just unseen. There's a difference. And what we know about the unseen world is that it's real. It's as real, if not more so than this one we're living in, this world of flesh, what you can touch, what you can see, what you can feel. The unseen realm, the scripture says, over in that realm is where eternal things are. This stuff out here, temporary, going away. That stuff is eternal. And that's where the fight takes place. So you need to know before you start throwing punches, before you start just throwing bombs and hoping something hits, take a second. All right, hold on. Who am I fighting? What am I fighting? Well, in answering that, you need to know this. Who am I not fighting? What am I not fighting? First Peter chapter five said this in verse eight, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. Did you notice that? Your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What are you supposed to do with him? Resist him steadfast in the faith. Your adversary, the devil. Ephesians 6 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 2 Corinthians 10 says, we walk in the flesh, but we do not war according to the flesh. Who am I not fighting? Huh? Who is not your enemy? Well, the, the person in your home, your spouse, your kids, your family, that's not your enemy. If you're sitting next to your spouse today, just look at them and say, you're not my enemy. You're not my enemy. And that's a good thing to remind each other of because our enemy is over there in that unseen realm. But we have such a tendency to want to fight over here where we can see it, over here where we can feel it. So what do we do? We look for somebody we can see. We look for somebody we can put a hand on and say, you're my enemy. Wrong. Nobody in that house is your enemy. Nobody on that job is your enemy. The Democrats are not your enemy. 
The Republicans are not your enemy. That's flesh. That's blood. That's over here in the realm, in the world of what you see, what you feel. That's not your enemy. That's not, they are not your enemy. And when you see them on the news and that anger and all that stuff coming up again, you need to say out loud, you are not my enemy. Now, there's a lot going on in, in political realms right now. And I believe even in back rooms and in hushed tones, people are talking. And there are a lot of people who are doing their very best to shut down the church. We need to be aware of that. But even if that person stood up on international television and spelled it out in front of the whole world, we want the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to go away. Even if those words came out of a human person's mouth, that person is not the enemy. That's not who your fight's with. Your fight's over in the unseen. We got to keep it in there. That's our fight of faith is over there in the unseen. He said, we don't walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10. And we don't war according to the flesh. I like this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now, I know you wish they were. Because I have wished that. Believe me, I have wished more than once that I could point a gun at Satan's head and that it would do something. Come on, don't look at me all holy. You know you want to too. But that again is trying to get over here in this scene realm. And if we're fighting in the flesh, if we think that what we're doing in the flesh is actually doing something, whether we realize it or not, we're beating the air. I mean, think about it. If your enemy is right here and you're standing looking the other way, swinging, 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 what are you doing? Nothing but wearing yourself out. And we've convinced ourselves that our volume in prayer is what's doing something. Our aggression in prayer is what's doing something. People have done all kinds of symbolic things here in the natural to simulate war. I mean, there are people that literally put on armor. Okay. But you need to know if your fight is in the flesh, you're doing nothing but swinging at the air. Shadow boxing, never make an impact. Now, there are times where I've gotten loud. Ask Sarah. When we pray and we deal with something, I have gotten loud, but I always check my heart. Why am I loud right now? Is it because I think that my volume is doing something? There are times I've gotten loud because of how loud symptoms are. And I've had to lift my voice up above them. Anybody ever had a loud symptom talking to you? Ever had a pain screaming at you? Ever had a diagnosis written down on a piece of paper and that thing just talks and talks and talks and talks to you? Well, if you have to, lift up your voice above it, but not because that is this, this outward demonstration in the flesh is doing something other than encouraging you. But I'm telling you, guard against fighting in the flesh. That's not where our fight is. It's not in the flesh. Our fight is over here in the unseen. I was thinking back on um, a couple of years ago, Sarah and I took the kids on a vacation. We went back to Hawaii and um, I think it was our last day there on the way to the airport. We took a couple hours and went through Pearl Harbor. 
and showed Justice and Jesse, and we did the whole tour and everything. And um, you may know this, the USS Missouri is parked there in Pearl Harbor. And you can take a tour of it. And we did, and we were on that top deck. And it's awesome, man. If you've never seen anything like that or witnessed it, it's an amazing thing. These war machines, I, I wouldn't be surprised if just their presence alone would strike fear in the heart of an enemy. These things are massive. I've got this great picture of Justice, who was probably eight years old at the time, standing on the top deck of the USS Missouri, Mighty Mo, they call it. And there are these giant guns, these 16-inch, 50-caliber cannons, right? And he's standing underneath them, and he just is dwarfed by this massive weapon. And I was thinking back on it just over the last couple of days, thinking, man, wouldn't it be great to have one of those? I don't mean like while you're driving. I'm not talking about like road rage or something like that. I just mean just, man, you would just feel powerful behind one of those things. But you got to remember, there is no weapon in the natural big enough to fight a spiritual fight. And I like what the Spirit of God said through Paul. We don't war according to flesh. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but... Huh, hold on, wait, wait, but... Don't, don't be fooled. You may not be able to see this weapon, but it's bad. It's big. And it will put a hole in the enemy. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That is who and what you are fighting. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your family. It's not the people you work with. Your enemy is nobody in this flesh. Your enemy is Satan. And every thought that he brings, every fear that he brings, every doubt that he brings, these are his big guns. And you can't fight them with a 12 gauge. You can't fight it with a sharp knife. You have to have spiritual weapons. And it has to take place in the unseen world. And the weapons that we have, they are, glory to God, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So number one, you need to find out who am I fighting? And if you have allowed the fight to get between you and your spouse, I don't care if you are mid-shout, shut it down. I don't care if you're about to raise your voice and you guys have been entrenched in an hour-long argument. The moment you realize, wait a second, I'm being tricked here. I'm being deceived. You shut that thing down. You shut it down and you look at each other and say, you are not my enemy. Amen. Just look at each other and say, hey, wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. Same team. Same team. And that's the problem. If you never identify who you're fighting, you could end up fighting your own side. You could end up fighting your own team. Identify who's my fight with. What is my fight with? Your big fight, even in the middle of a so-called resurgence, a new wave of COVID-19, you want to know who your fight's with? Fear. Fear. That's his big gun. You're going to have to fight it with a bigger one. The, the, the weapon of faith. Identify who it is and what it is that's against you. But number two... What do you think you should identify? If you identify who's against you, what else do you think you should identify in this fight of faith? What might, what might even be more important than that? Identifying who's 
for you. Who's for you? Who's not against you? Anybody think of a good scripture along these lines? Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can successfully be against us? Why? Because you're so strong? Because you're so mighty? No, because of who is with you, who is for you. So before you start just throwing up prayers and hoping something breaks the ceiling before you just start throwing punches and hoping something sticks. Take a minute, settle down, identify these two things. All right. Number one, who am I fighting? Where am I fighting? I'm fighting not in this natural flesh realm. I'm over here in the spirit. Who am I fighting? Satan, you are my enemy. You are my adversary. And then while you're talking to him, go ahead and remind him of what Jesus has done to him. Go ahead and remind him that Jesus has stripped him of all his power. Go ahead and remind him he's already defeated. And all you're doing is enforcing Jesus' victory that you've already been given. Go ahead and remind him of that. But don't ever let yourself, here's the big one you got to guard against. Don't ever let yourself think for a second you're fighting God. Don't ever think for a moment he's fighting you. He's for us, not against us. Psalm 118 verse four says, let those who fear the Lord, we talked to some about this, let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. Anybody in here fear the Lord? Then go ahead and say it. His mercy endures forever. Say it again. His mercy endures forever. Do you know there's healing in his mercy? There's healing in his mercy. So you got something going on in your body, something physical has attacked you. You know what you need to start doing? Calling on the mercy of the Lord. Oh, you're merciful Lord. You are gracious. Your healing mercies flow over me and they endure forever. They never run out. His mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. You could say it like this. In the middle of a fight, I called on him. I called on the Lord. Now, if you thought for a second that he was against you, would you be calling on him? Do you ask for help from the one who's fighting you? That doesn't make sense, does it? But there's a lot of people living right there thinking that they're against God or God's against them. They don't know why he's done it or they don't know why he isn't helping. That's the wrong way to think. Before you ever get in the fight, identify who's my enemy and who is for me. He said, I called on the Lord in distress. In the middle of this fight, the Lord answered me, set me in a broad place I like this. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. He's on my side. Who, who am I fighting and who's fighting with me? Who's fighting for me? In, in closing, go with me to the book of Matthew. Look at something Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 19. I want to tell you a little bit about some of the miracles we've had. I know Sarah, like I said, shared some of it with our, our service team. I don't know many of you are watching online now and you didn't hear it. I'll share some with you. In Matthew 19, Jesus looked to the disciples and he said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With men, he said, it's impossible. 
But with God, how many things are possible? All things. Even in the middle of a fight for your life, even in the middle of a rumble, even in the middle of COVID-19, all things are possible. But it makes a difference and it matters who you're with. Jesus said, with men, it stays in the realm of impossible. With men. What does he mean by that? Well, I read to you from the Weiss translation a moment ago. This same translation of this scripture is powerful too. He said, with men, or uh, he put it like this, uh, in the sphere and in the way men see it, it's impossible. The way men see it. That's what it means to be with men. In other words, you're facing something, you're fighting something, you're staring down the barrel of an impossible situation and you just start asking people, what do you think? What do you think? What about your experience? And you know, it's not hard to find somebody who died with whatever it is you've been told you have. That's easy to find. It's not hard to find people who suffered and suffered big. It's not hard to find somebody who lost that fight. And the more you ask people, the more you consult people, the more you see it the way they see it. And that's not really anything overly spiritual. That's just what happens. The more time you spend with somebody, the more you begin to see things the way they see things. Sarah and I have been married 13 years. And in that amount of time, I can say that now, even compared to when we were first married, we see things now so much the same. That's just the result of being with each other. That's just the result of time with one another. The more you're with somebody, the more you see it the way they see it. But Jesus said, if you're going to stay with men on it, then it's going to stay impossible. But if you'll get with God, what does that mean? See it the way he sees it. All of a sudden, what was impossible with God, it becomes possible. It means it can be done. It can be fixed. It can be healed. It can be changed. Glory to God. But it matters who you're with. It matters who you're with. I don't know if you've ever gone into a place where maybe it was hard to get into and you had to know somebody and your name wasn't on the list. But imagine that. Imagine you trying to get in somewhere and they're taking names at the door and they ask for years and it's nowhere on there. They're scanning, they're looking up, sorry, can't let you in. And then all of a sudden, the guy who owns the place pulls up and he comes up and he walks up to the door and he says, no, 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 it's okay. They're with me. What happens all of a sudden? What was an impossibility? What, what you were denied access to because you're with the right one? Now you can have access to all of it. It matters who you're with. Can you see how much your your fight of faith is dependent upon you knowing these things? Who you're fighting and who you're fighting with and who's fighting for you? He's with you. God is with you. He's for you. Never against you. And man, we've seen it. I'm standing in front of you today, having believed these things for a long time but seeing them manifest in our lives in greater ways than we have before. And uh, Sarah mentioned to you earlier, and those of you watching, you you didn't hear this, but her mom, Mary, a precious, awesome woman of God, an inspiration to me. 
I've seen her over the years come face to face with some pretty intense diagnosis, some pretty intense physical challenges. And I've also watched her every time face it with the word of God. What an example of somebody who knows how to fight the fight of faith. And one of the things she illustrated so beautifully to us and to our family was the recognition of what voices to turn off and what voices to turn on. Right? And she, I saw this woman over the years, dive into the word of God, made it her entire life to, to, to dive deep into the word and to meditate on what he said about her healing. And she has won the fight over and over and over again. There was a time they told her, you've got 10 months to live. 10 months, that's not a long time. And the Lord spoke to our family. And one of the things that I recall growing up in the house of faith is this. If you need something, you sow something. Because every seed reproduces after its own kind. And when they told us, mom's got 10 months to live, the realization hit us. Okay, we need more time. So what do we sow? Time. That was a part of our faith fight. And so we decided as a family, every member of our family, me, Sarah, her brothers, their wives, Mary and Perry, we got together and said, we're going to sow. We're going to take the 24 hours that God has given us and we're going to take the tithe right off the top and give it back to him. At least two hours a day in praise, in worship, in the word. This was a part of our faith fight. And do you know that 10 months later, she was given a note, a printed letter from the doctor that said, there is no measurable disease in your body. Amen. That's victory. That's victory. That's winning the faith fight. But it wasn't the result of somebody not knowing how to fight. And it definitely wasn't the result of somebody who'd never tried these things before or wasn't making a practice out of them. Man, when this thing came up, she knew what to do because she had been constantly engaged in the fight, even leading up to that. It matters. I said, it matters. And then what? Two weeks ago, this past Friday, she texted and said, well, this is what the text said. Dad and I both tested positive for COVID. The word is working. That's what the text said. The word is working. We could get into this later, but when you fight in the fight of faith, you got to know what your weapons are. And the words coming out of your mouth are weapons in the fight of faith. And that's all she said. And if that's all you can say in faith, then just say that. We tested positive. The word is working. The word is working. Well, dad got better pretty quick. Uh, mom had some difficulty breathing. Uh, and it developed and it increased. And it finally came to the point she felt like I got to go to the hospital. She went. She got some fluids. Came home. And it was kind of a back and forth a little bit. She'd be doing a little better. Then all of a sudden that fever would spike again. You've heard all the symptoms. You know what this thing does. All of a sudden it would spike again and she's coughing and she can't breathe. And it ended up um, a number of days ago last week. She ended up in the hospital again. And uh, it was not a good experience right away. I won't get into all those details. But the Spirit of the Lord 
came on me, on Sarah, on a, a number of us. I picked up my phone. I called her in the hospital. And I tore into her. But not her. That spirit driving this thing. Because I'm not drawing back. Not in the face of COVID, not in the face of anything. I'm not drawing back. And there was something the Lord brought up in me the day she texted that and said, we tested positive, the word's working. What came up so strong in me were these words. This is the end of sickness and disease for Mary Hart, and it's the beginning of life more abundantly. Man, it was a word from the Lord. It was strong. And if I heard it once, I must have heard it a dozen times a day. And I, I, I would go to send it to her or to the family. And the Lord said, no, not yet. So I'm just meditating it. This is the end of sickness and disease. It's the beginning of life more abundantly. This is the end of sickness and disease. It's the beginning of life more abundantly. What am I doing? I'm fighting the fight of faith. Notice there's no swinging, there's no kicking, there's no marching, there, there's no swords, little, literal physical swords drawn. I'm just using my words. This is the end of sickness and disease. This is the beginning of life more abundantly. And when she went into the hospital for that last time, and they started talking to her about pneumonia in the lungs and, and this count being low and oxygen being low, I just, we'd kind of had about all we were going to take of that. And we called. And she answered the phone and, and barely got out a hello. And man, we lit into it. And I said, I want you to know something, mom. The word of the Lord came to me for you and I'm declaring it. This is the end of sickness and disease. This is the beginning of life more abundantly. And we just began to praise the Lord and worship the Lord. Father, we invite you into that hospital room right now. We thank you for filling up that room with your healing presence. And we thank you, Lord. And I told her every word of faith you've ever spoken over your body for the last decade is working in you right now. It's working in you. It's working for you. It's working through you. It's perfecting your body. And by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are healed. And I said to her, what do you need right now? Right now, what do you need? And she said, I asked for water 30 minutes ago. And nobody's come in. I said, Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, quicken to somebody to come check on mom right now. I kid you not, seconds later, I'm on the phone. I hear the nurse walk into the room. Hi, just here to check on you. The Lord was working. He was working for us. Not 48 hours later, mom's home. Well, I should back up. She hadn't been able to eat. She hadn't been able to keep anything down. All of a sudden, we're getting texts from dad. Well, mom had chicken fried steak and <laughs> strawberry cheesecake and no adverse effects. She came walking in the door Thanksgiving afternoon. Didn't even tell them she was coming home. Just came walking in. Healed, whole, strong, big appetite, full voice. And like Sarah told you earlier, she got on the phone with the kids. Hey, kids, Nene lived. That is victory in the fight of faith. That's how you fight this fight. We're seeing miracles. And I want to encourage you this morning. Even if you or somebody you know went and got a test and it said, oh, positive. 
You know what you need to say? The word's working. The word's working. And don't for a second let that fear in your heart. This thing is not a death sentence. It's not. It doesn't have to be. Get up on your faith and fight. Now's not the time to draw back. And I know months ago, early on when this thing was blowing up so big, man, we were in our living room, gathered around that counter. We were receiving communion together. We were speaking to it, drawing the bloodline around our house. And I'll be honest, we kind of like a lot of people got lazy with it. It just sort of became old news. I'm telling you, church, if you hadn't been engaged in the fight, get in it now. Get in it now. Because if it's not this, it's something. There is something for you and I to be engaged in the contest of faith for. Everything that God's made available by and through His grace is received one way and one way only by faith. But don't think for a second your enemy's just going to go, oh, you want that? Here you go. You have it. He'll fight you for it. God told his people, the children of Israel, I have a land for you. It belongs to you. It flows with milk and honey. It's yours. Go get it. And they said, yippee, until they found out there was going to be a fight. And then they got afraid and they drew back. They ran from it. Except two dudes were like, wait a second. Come on, let's go right now. Caleb and Joshua, let's go get it right now, right now, right now. What is that? That's that fighting spirit of faith. We are well able. Amen. Does this help you this morning? Well, stand up on your feet with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. Folks, Sarah's mom's alive and well today, probably watching right now. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And I thank God for the, the medical professionals that he surrounded her with. But I also know they are limited, but our God is not. With men, what looks impossible, with God is possible. All things are possible. Are you afraid of this thing? Don't be. If you have been, don't be. Don't let fear in. Someone, you or somebody you know, shows up with a positive test. Hey, listen, don't let fear in. The word's working. The word's working. You can fight the fight of faith and win it. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit of faith that lives big in us. We feed that today in Jesus' name. And I'm asking you, Lord, to, to, to bring courage to bear on the inside of your people, on the inside of every heart and soul in this church today. Cause us to know by your spirit that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we are victorious because Jesus is victorious. And help us see more clearly, Lord, who our enemy is and who our enemy is not. And Satan, we take great pleasure in reminding you that you are defeated. You have been stripped and brought to naught. You are powerless in our lives and we resist you in Jesus' name. We submit to God, resist you, and you must flee from us. You have to. Father, we thank you for the victory. We thank you for the victory. Come on, lift up your own voice. Lift up your hands. Thank him for the victory. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the victory. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for the victory. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the victory. Thank you, Lord, for saving us over and over and over, strengthening us over and over and over. We thank you for the victory. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Say it with me. His mercy endures forever. Say it again. His mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, you're good. You're faithful. You are just. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Why don't you shout it out loud? I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I'm not taking this stuff laying down. I'm a fighter. I fight the good fight of faith. And I win in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. You got something? Thank you, Jesus. I just had it come to my heart while he was telling that story. There's one part of that story that's really important. And we don't want to forget what walking by faith and living by faith is. It's not pretending. And there's one thing that he said. He talked about mom um, going to the hospital when she needed to. And you know, it is not bad to go to the hospital. And it's not bad to get help when you need help. What's important is that at every moment in our walk with God, that we are being led by the Holy Spirit. And that if He instructs us to do something or we get a sense we need to do it, we go do it. You know what? We do it in In faith. faith. And we walk by faith. We ask for help by By faith. faith. We do it in faith. We don't go into surgery without asking God for help. And going into it by faith. Yeah. You know, you've got to be led in every single thing. And I just Amen. think it's really important it is. that anybody, you know, you don't have to feel condemnation. If you've had COVID, get rid of condemnation right now. Do you know what it is? It's, a, it's called Nuevo something COVID-19. It is just basically a new strain of a cold or a virus. Okay, have you, do you get in condemnation when you have gotten a cold? or dealt with something. Now we don't like the effects of it. We don't like what it's doing to people. That's not cool. But there's no reason to get under condemnation for any of that. What it's time to do is to stand up strong in faith. You know, it's another thing when you're dealing with something in your body, if you're needing healing in your body, the first thing the devil will always come to you with is how you messed up or what you did wrong or how you opened the door, how you did this and this is. It is not time to just get under the weight of condemnation. You need to let get under the weight of the glory of God Amen. and let his presence and his healing anointing do what it can do. Amen. And the mercy of the Lord will endure in our lives, in our bodies, in our families forever, forever. and ever and ever and ever and ever. And if you have to just call on the mercy of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to re- tell this to you before we leave. That word that the Lord gave me concerning Sarah's mom, the end of sickness and disease, the beginning of life more abundantly. The more I've sought the Lord concerning that, the more I've come to find out that's for us. Amen. That word is for this church. Amen. And I've, I've asked the Lord, what's our word for 2021? And he said, whatever has been prolonged, whatever's been hanging on, It's the end of that. And it's the beginning of life more abundant. 
So we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come, but I want you to begin right now to put those words in your mouth. It's the, if it's been sickness, say it. It's the end of sickness and disease. It's the beginning of my life more abundantly. If it's been financial trouble and heartache, it's the end of that and the beginning of life more abundantly. It's the end of strife in this house. It's the beginning of life more abundantly. Whatever needs to come to an end is coming to an end. As 2020 comes to an end, and the next year begins, you just see that as a symbolic end to whatever has hung on for too long. And it's the beginning of life more abundantly. We bless you this week. We love you. It's the joy of our lives to get to stand in this office and pastor this church. And we declare over you this week that by his grace, by his help, and by the leadership of his spirit, you will always be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.